0: Hello, I'm Cody Orm, one of the editors here for CG Magazine. The following interview is with Philippe Morin of Red Barrels conducted by Lisa Muir about the upcoming Outlast 2. An excerpt of this conversation was used in the Pixels and Ink podcast episode 222, Gears of Jed, but this is the full uncut version. Enjoy. Um, so uh, I played Outlast 2 um, and it scared me, thank you for that.
1: <laughs> My pleasure.
0: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that, what was some of the psychology that went into uh, creating the type of scares that you were going for with Outlast?
1: Well I mean it's, uh, making a game is really difficult because it's, once you know what's going to happen as a developer, it's hard to scare yourself. Yeah. So uh, at first, you gotta str- trust your instincts, and then do a lot of play tests. Uh, I think uh, you know from watching a lot of our movies. At some point, it comes uh, it comes naturally to find the right pacing. And, uh, and th- this time with Outlast 2, one thing we wanted to, to do different. The first one was a really visceral horror, in-your-face kind of horror. And we still want to do that, but we wanted to add uh, layers of death. so and uh, mess with the player's mind. So the, it's going to be part of the experience to understand what's happening to your character in this one. While the first one was about one guy stuck in an environment and uh, just try to get out of there, this one is tr- you're trying to uh, find and save your wife, but at the same time, understanding what's happening to yourself and how it relates to uh, these people living there who think the end of times will come uh, when the sun comes up.
0: Okay. Was there, now you said there was some sort of, you did a lot of watching horror to any particular movies that really inspired this?
1: Yeah, this Children of the Corn, Jacob's Ladder, uh, The Shining, uh, what, what else, what else, what else? <laughs> So we we take from a lot of different sources. I think the trick is trying to find a way to merge all these things together so that it creates something new, uh, unique but cohesive. Uh, but you know, it's I think um, a shining is probably uh, a, a big one, and also oh, Tech Shelter. Yeah, Tech Shelter was also a big one.
0: So is that why you guys decided to set it? Uh, the, the level I played was set in um, a very rural, uh, deep south. Uh, farmland, empty, barren kind of thing, is that kind of why you decided to pick that?
1: Yeah, we wanted to, uh, the first one was mostly like cor- running down co- corridors, and we wanted to mix it up a bit, have more open uh, environments, and uh, we did this, uh, the, in the first game, religion was already a, a part of it, yeah. but this time we made it uh, the main focus, yeah. and uh, so you, when you get there and you realize these people think that the uh, Antichrist is about to, uh, to be born, And uh, they think that uh, your wife is pregnant with the uh, with the antichrist, and so that's why she gets taken away. And you're trying to uh, save her. But of course, well, first question is: uh, Is she really pregnant? And if she's pregnant, what's inside? (laughs) I don't want to talk anymore. This is scary.
0: One of the mechanics I saw that I thought was really unique to a lot of other horror games that I have watched other people play, because I'm not a horror game person myself, but um, was the fact that you guys are... um, It's through the eye of the camera that you see most of the scary things that are going on. Um, Why why that choice?
1: I think, uh, well, when we started working on the first Outlast, uh, we quickly decided that we wanted to use night vision. And uh, we, after watching a, a, th- a clip, that I think it was called Robert Johnny by the FX Twins. And a really, really freaky video. And uh, that was our starting point. But then we started figuring out, so what justifies the use of night vision? What character has night vision? And we didn't want to do a soldier, a cop, or any of those guys. We really wanted somebody that uh, uh, made sense to have night vision, but at the same time, not be the kind of person who would be ready for combat and would be uh, really, uh, proactive about the threat. So we just—that's uh, why we came uh, with a, a character that would be a, a journalist. And it would make sense for him to have a camcorder, and, and that camcorder have night vision. So that was pretty much the uh, the, uh, the decision process that led us to uh, to the camcorder in that vision.
0: Well, it was, it was definitely an extra layer <laughs> of, of intensity, especially uh, when you, part of the obje- objectives that you have are to just run around and find batteries so when your camera dies, you can't see anything. So is that intentional with that as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it creates a lot of stress. Uh, and uh, so when you know that your bat- uh, camcorder is getting out of batteries and you're you start uh, becoming anxious to find new batteries, and that's the, the emotion that puts you on edge. And once you're on that edge, anything we throw at you is going to make you uh, make you scream or make you jump. So it's a, I think it's a, it's, a, it's all about making the player feel powerless, but also um, in a position where nothing feels safe. Like just opening a door it doesn't feel safe. You don't know what's going to be on the other side of that door.
0: Well, that I can tell you that absolutely created that effect. <laughs> it was a uh, terrifying. I had therapy for weeks after it. Um, <laughs> um, I've heard that. Uh, so, with a lot of companies playing with VR, um, talk to me about Outlast and VR, where that might happen.
1: Well, I mean, it's something we're always looking at. Um, we have the dev kits at the office, and I, I actually I know some some players uh, have managed to tweak. Uh, the PC version to make it uh, run with Oculus. Um, but the thing is that we're a really small team, so we have to focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. So for now, we're focused on Outlast 2, and we'll see after that, depending also how the market reacts to the new tech, uh, if we uh, go for it right away or if we wait a bit more.
0: Yeah, well, it definitely lends itself to that kind of game. Would, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, I noticed when I played the game there wasn't much of a soundtrack. It was just a lot of ambient noise. Um, will there be any kind of music added to it?
1: Yeah, we actually, I uh, think it's two weeks ago, we uh, reco- recorded a, a choir uh, in a church and uh, it was it was pretty hairy. Uh, I mean, there were only 25, but the church made it sound like they were 200. So, uh, no, it's going to be interesting to have that, uh, that stuff in the game. Uh, but the thing is that you don't want at the same time people to notice the music. You want the, the music to affect the players emotionally, yeah. but n- not so much that they notice it. So uh, that's why I you know it's, sometimes even for ourselves it's tricky to uh, differentiate. Are we talking about music? Or are we talking about just sound effects? And uh, yeah. so and sometimes you know sometimes it comes from the sound designer, Sometimes it comes from the composer. Uh, At the end of the day, it's whatever works, but uh, no, yeah, we got a lot of uh, freaky music tracks uh, coming.
0: (laughs) So that must have really dictated the kind of style that you used. Did you go for more of a, like, uh, traditional kind of church sound, or did you go for a deep south church, like um,
1: that kind of thing? Well, uh, the thing is that the village is only the starting point of the game. Uh, there's uh, a lot more uh, uh, varieties of environment than we had in the first in the first one, so there's going to be um, a progression of style with the uh, with the music, uh, but we didn't want to go to um, uh, um, what I, I gotta say traditional in uh, in terms of uh, rural people, uh, rednecks. Uh, we even at some point we tried having dialogues that was really uh, you know classic uh, rednecks uh, from, from from the south and that didn't that draw too much attention to, uh, to it so we decided to uh, steer away from that and become a little more neutral um, and, but the, in, in terms of the music we did try a lot of a lot of things we tried to be more minimal we tried to be more orchestral and we just uh, tested a lot of different styles until we found the one that uh, felt right.
0: Excellent. So um, you were just saying that um, you recently just pushed back your release date. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. I mean, we just uh, the game is a lot bigger than the first one, and so since we're uh, still a small team, uh, there's things that uh, we uh, we we need to polish. Uh, and the specially scripted events that those are the kind of things that uh, require uh, a lot of different departments sound design and animation so that's why they take a little bit more time and we I mean the first one we had to ship it before running out of money and fortunately this time it's not the case so uh, we want to make sure we release the game we envision
0: I, and i'm sure the fans will definitely <laughs> appreciate that for sure and you said it was going to be released sometime in 2017
1: yeah early 2017 q1
0: excellent and it's going to be available on xbox one and pc and
1: ps4 as well as i oh,
0: very good all right well philippe thank you so much for speaking to me about this i really appreciate it, it was really great thanks <laughs>